morning, good afternoon, good evening, or swim, get ready for this. Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. We have a lot to talk about today. And we'll actually start things off with uh, pretty much the conclusion of our E3 coverage. Uh, last week, we talked about pretty much up to what xbox yeah pretty much microsoft after that the couple of shows that were on after that were just awful there's no other way to describe it they were awful we didn't even watch the entire thing they they were just ugh, ugh. i will not understand the appeal with trying to be as cringy as possible but man they did it but there was one more set of announcements after all that, and that was Nintendo, who basically stole the show, which wasn't very hard to do because the show was already like, like pretty much. Here's the thing: before Nintendo did their Nintendo Direct E3 announcement, the winner of the show was Sony because they weren't there. Like, that's pretty much just how nothing E3 was this year. And a lot of it just had to do with very, very odd decisions. Like, I I can't remember now if I actually talked about this last week or not, but the way Square did theirs is just mind-blowing. It is just mind-blowingly bad how Square's was, and they had better stuff to talk about. That's what drives me nuts about Square's press conference. It was awful, and they had better things to talk about. That being said, though, the um, what, what's the game called? Strangers in Paradise, the game that was memed to pretty much almost death. Just because the, the trailer for Strangers in Paradise was actually so bad, because all it was was just one random guy with a sedan-sized sword and a buzz cut saying how much he's going to kill Chaos. And that's all the trailer was. And the game was actually... The, the people actually played the demo. The game's good! The game is actually good! But God, that trailer was so bad it probably turned off pretty much everyone! That being said, we here at Eagle Eyes on Tech want to assure you that if you are a chaotic individual, we do not have the urge to kill chaos. Mostly because we do not have a PS5 yet. But again, I, I don't know if I talked about it last week or not. There is one franchise that Square is pretty much known for two things. All right, they have two flagship franchises. Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. Those are the two flagships they have. Final Fantasy only got a basically what should have been an email, a five second notice saying, hey, by the way, you, you know those those 2D based Final Fantasies, Final Fantasy one through six? We're remastering them. Okay, bye. And that was it. 
Dragon Quest, their other big titan of a flagship, absent, missing from the entire announcement. Well, that just means they don't have anything Dragon Quest worthy. They announced eight things. They announced, no, it wasn't eight. It was like, what, six things? Only a couple months ago for, specifically for Dragon Quest. They didn't even rehash those announcements. No, instead we get a 20-minute going on six-year-long trailer and gameplay demo of what basically looked like Mass Effect, except it was reskinned for Guardians of the Galaxy. It could be a good game, but we saw the same footage. I'm not even kidding. Four different times during those 20 minutes. I you show me something the exact same time the exact same thing freaking four times in the same presentation i'm gonna hate it that's just that maybe that's just a me thing but man that was ooh. yeah you would have thought they would have at least included like hey we're working on dragon quest 3 the octopath style remaster or not even a remaster yet. That would be a full-blown remake. I need to make. I don't need. A, I need to make sure I don't fall into the same trap that IGN and The Verge fall into. The Dragon Quest Three one. That is a full-blown remake. A remaster means they're taking the old game and touching it up. Remaster is that's from the ground up, and that Dragon Quest Three is clearly a remake. And then, of course, you know they had Dragon Quest Twelve. They announced Dragon Quest Twelve as a thing absent i don't get that's what like i said that's what ticks me off the most about the square enix presentation it they had all the tools to make it better and they just chose not to nintendo on the other hand though they put together pretty much a very above average direct i'd say a solid 6.5 out of 10 but it was packed they had pretty much almost nothing new for zelda except for actual gameplay footage of breath of the wild 2 oh yeah other than uh, another game and watch like device for zelda i will say this after getting my hands on the mario one i am Less enthusiastic for the Zelda one. So here, let me actually go get it. The actual Game & Watch one. Oh, it fell onto the floor. That shows you how much I care about it. The actual mario game and watch it looks fine but there's a couple of things missing one there is no kickstand which is something that's always been on all the game and watches that is missing on this one there is no always on display unless it's plugged in which is also very what the heck that's one of the things for the game and watches and then on top of that because it's you know a collector's item and not actually meant to be an actual game and watch it's clearly a collector's item. 
Like, that's it. Like, do not get the Zelda Game & Watch and expect to be, oh man, a little something extra and I can actually get like some good play out of it. No, no, you're not. You really aren't. It, it's, it's a collector's item. That's all it is. If you can find one on the cheap, go for it. Otherwise, don't. That being said, though, Metroid is getting a new 2D game, Metroid Dread. And that caught everyone off guard. Everyone assumed that Nintendo just forgot about it. Everyone just assumed freaking Metroid is forgotten to Nintendo. Nope. Not the case. No new news on Prime 4, unfortunately. But, you know, at least they did say, you know, hey, we're working on it. Unlike some squares. I'm just saying. Dongan Rampa, the entire collection, plus a little mini game sort of thing, is coming to the Switch. That was also a bit of a surprise. Only a bit, though. Advance Wars. Advance Wars is getting a remake. Remake of 1 and 2 coming to the Switch. I assumed after the flop that was Advance Wars Days of Ruin for the, for the DS, that was it. Advance Wars is dead. We're never going to get it. Which is a bloody shame. I love Advance Wars. That... I cannot tell you how many times during family gatherings that I didn't want to be at. It'd be like me and my cousins going off to a corner and we'd just be passing around my GBA with Advance Wars 1 or 2 in it. Just doing some multiplayer between us. That was... Dude, to see it come back. I am... I am probably the most excited person for Advance Wars coming back. It holds a special place in my heart. What can I say? Chat wants to know if a me. I, I can't say that on the podcast. No. HWS is not coming to the Switch. That's silly. You're silly. There was a, another announcement I'm actually a little confused by. That was also, that was also during there. The, uh... They're calling it the Mario Party, uh, what do they call it? All-Stars or something like that? They, they tried to like advertise it as like a brand new game, but maybe it's like a rehash of the old ones. Like, I'm not sure. Mario Party Superstars, that's what it is. Like, I'm not sure if it's supposed to be a remaster of the old Mario Parties coming to the Switch, or if it's a brand new one that's just taking everything they had in the old ones. But the way they kind of talked about it for, God, it was only like 45 seconds. It almost sounds like it's what the current Mario Party for the Switch should have been in the first place! But oh well. Shimigami Tensei 5 was announced for the Switch. But you see how I can just go on and on and on. 
could I say that about the Gearbox presentation? No. They hyped up their movie and talked about a game that's not even, that, that's in development, that's it. Oh yeah, and Tiny Tina's Adventure as a standalone game. Which is good, but that's like the only thing they had, was that. That's it, the end. Microsoft, what did they have? We have Halo Infinite. And this time, it doesn't look like an Xbox original title. It actually looks like a modern game. Which, by the way, Microsoft, good on you. I still can't believe Microsoft finally got rid of that voice saying, Exclusive. World premiere. That meme is now basically dead, unless other people keep it alive. For no reason. Some people are saying the Take 2 presentation was worse than Gearbox. I unfortunately did not see the Take 2. And by the sound of it, I'm super glad that it <laughs> that I never saw it. But yeah, needless to say, I would say by far, if you're if you're still in the mood to pick a winner of E3 now that it is all over, Nintendo won. But that's not to say, oh wow, Nintendo had a great E3. They have a whole lot coming. Well, keep in mind, second place was going to be Sony, and they're not there! Someone in chat does make a good point. Devolver probably would have won if it's not for the fact that Devolver is not allowed to be part of E3. That being said, though, I mean, the, the games Devolver showed were, I'd say, above average. But what Devolver does... But, I mean, Devolver's whole thing is just being as, uh, as crude and as satire as possible. What, what was their whole thing? We're going to go ahead and give you a subscription service that's free so that, and if you go ahead and sign up for the subscription service that we don't charge anything for, you have the ability to buy premium purchases for games. It's basically a whole parody of just like, yeah, we're... Just, just buy games. Spoofing on the, on the whole. I already forgot what Xbox calls their service. Xbox Pass Plus or something. Game Pass, that's what it is. Oh yeah, and then of course the, the NFT tape. The non, and then swear word that starts with an F, F, withable tape. Someone in chat says, think about by, by not showing up at E3 at all, Sony created a lot of hype and curiosity for whatever they'll show at their next state of play. I'd say, yeah, you know what, actually, I fear. What I really, really, really do fear is that Sony made that exact same calculation and intentionally had a whole bunch of what Square was going to announce and under contract say that we that it can only be shown off at 
Sony's instead of at their own. At the same time, though, I get what Sony's thought process is. EA does the same thing. But funny enough, look how much we've talked about with, uh, with EA. Someone in chat says they doubt that Square is all that bothered if that's what they did. Clearly, they're not bothered because I'm freaking... 20 minutes of their 40 minute presentation was a Mass Effect clone. And for the most part, the only part they really cared about with it was just like the demo and then someone just quickly whipped up a trailer using that same demo footage. But yeah, as someone in chat, chat just said, E3 has been on the decline. We've been talking about it for the last couple of years. It's just felt like it's been a while just cause the last E3 was in 2019 and 2020 lasted for 80 years. So it just feels like it's just been an eternity. I still can't believe that Gearbox showed up and tried to hype a movie at what is basically been a de facto video game convention as their leading act who does that and like you could tell how nobody cared especially when not even twitch carried the gearbox press conference Twitch carried Devolver over Gearbox, and Devolver is technically not even in E3. <sighs> one of these days, one of these days, Gearbox is just going to get a clue and just give the axe to Randy. Randy Pitchford is just absolutely mismanaging that company. They have so much potential and they just continue to blow off their own feet. I really, really do hope so. All right, before we go into the break, I'm going to actually do our first story. Yeah, we're not even on the first story of the podcast this has just been whatever this was the web founder bernie berners lee i really don't care what how his name is actually pronounced is going to auction off the source code of the internet as an nft i really do wish i could have just put this at the end as at the end of the podcast as just a giant wtf but no, this is a real thing that is actually going to be happening. And I just... Why? Why do you do this? Why, Internet? <sighs> All I can really hope is that 
this nft fad and that's really all it is this is a fad you can obviously tell it's a fad just because now that's no longer new nfts are selling for less and less and less and less and i really really do hope that all of their worth from nfts just dies off We're going to take a quick break here now that we've only done one story. And when we come back, I want to talk about Google's systems that they're going to be implementing as well as there actually is one more E3 bit of news that I actually want to, it actually brings up a very good point as to the difference between a console and a PC. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Uh, pro tip, by the way, uh, we, dur- during the break, uh, me and the chat were uh, just exchanging a couple things about some potential stories down the road. But uh, also, just here's a general pro tip: don't join a Wi-Fi network that starts with a parent that starts with a percent sign. This. This tweet we were talking about is a bit old. This is actually from... Oh, actually, it's not. This is from two days ago. So it's a possibly a zero-day vulnerability on the iPhone joining an SSID... During, join, I'm sorry, joining a Wi-Fi network of the SSID per, per, uh, percent P percent S percent S percent N causes the Wi-Fi to get disabled because it triggers a string of some kind... And anytime you try to re-enable the Wi-Fi, it connects and then forces the Wi-Fi off and creates an infinite loop that makes it so that you can never turn your Wi-Fi on. No word from the tweet we just saw. Well, first off, I mean, it's from a tweet. So, I mean, take a bowl of salt with you. But they do have a video demonstrating how their Wi-Fi is permanently locked off. No word if being outside of the range of uh, that router broadcasting that SSID fixes the issue. So I can't wait for Apple to finally fix it in three months. Speaking of things that I can't believe people haven't implemented yet, Google is finally implementing end-to-end encryption for RCS chat, and it is rolling out to everyone. (laughs) Someone in chat says they live next to a coffee shop. They should try this. The problem with it is that according to what we have, um, they have to willingly connect to 
the SSID for it to work. That being said, living next to a coffee shop, I can think of uh, a, a number of other uh, potentially evil things one could do. Someone in chat says it still makes for a nice smuck trap. Well, I mean, just get a Wi-Fi pineapple. Wi-Fi pineapples, man. I wonder if the Wi-Fi pineapple is still in service. The Wi-Fi pineapple, for those who don't know, is a router that uh, is used in in -in man-in-the-middle attacks. So what happens is that your Wi-Fi, what it does is that first it sends, at first it goes through your Wi-Fi list and sends out, hey, is this Wi-Fi here? The pineapple doesn't even look at what the request asks for. It just says yes and lets anyone connect to the pineapple regardless of whatever SSID it asks for. So as long as the device looks for a saved SSID, it'll connect to the pineapple and suddenly you can now commit a man-in-the-middle attack. The easiest way to solve this problem is on your recommend on your recommended Networks Connect, create one that says Danger Pineapple. And if you connect to Danger Pineapple, you know there's a pineapple. I mean, if we're just talking about like Danger about sketchy internet things you can do at uh yes it's a signal hijack exactly if we want to talk about you know various dangerous things to do near a coffee shop that is by far one of the most effective but i mean if we're just gonna go ahead and just you know open up my uh actually no if we're just gonna go ahead and get get twits just set up a small laptop rig it to broadcast a signal and just have have it broadcast a wi-fi signal and just call it free wi-fi and just have all traffic rerouted through it to go to a website that says You're bad at internet. Go be better at internet by watching Eagle Eyes at Tech at anchor.fm slash eagle eyes on tech. Totally. That's what you should do. Should we go back to actually doing the podcast? Maybe we should actually go back to doing the podcast. People who are actually watching this live are very confused by some of my movements because I keep looking over to the left and then immediately back to the right. And the main reason for that, for those who actually don't don't know, uh, this is actually the very first episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech that is being recorded without our usual podcasting software. We are 100% using OBS instead of the Spreaker Studio that I've had before. And I've always had Spreaker Studio sitting over on my left-hand side 
And that's where I could tell, hey, how long have I been ranting for? Do I need to move on? Well, now it's no longer there. Instead, I have to go over to my right side where I have OBS and that shows my actual record time. Someone in chat says, why not Audacity? The thing is with Audacity is that Audacity does not have real-time ducking. So the intros that I always do, I just interrupt the bumpers or whatever, and it automatically lowers the volume in real time for it. Now, if I was only recording the podcast to not a live audience, Audacity would be fine. You just fire up Audacity, hit the record button, rabble, 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 rabble. And then afterwards, then in post, add in your intro, your outro, auto, run your auto duck, easy peasy, upload. But because I do Eagle Eyes on Tech Live at twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon, I can't use Audacity because it has no ability to do auto ducking live. So instead we're using OBS because OBS does have the ability to do auto ducking live. It just doesn't call it auto ducking because that would make sense. They call it compression. No, I don't know why they do it that way. It's really silly. But basically, because we're doing that now, it also means potentially we can go ahead and since we're just recording video now and then turning it into an MP3 later for the podcast, there could be an Eagle Eyes on Tech YouTube channel in our future. That is one of the other bigger advantages to using OBS. Anyway, we're actually doing a podcast. We've been ranting in this segment for nine minutes. And so far, the only thing I said about the actual stories is that Google Message is having end-to-end encryption enabled, and it's now rolling out to everyone. So keep that in mind for these, for the new Google Messages. It will soon have end-to-end encryption, but not for group chats. Your group chats can still be spied on. Either by super sneaky pineapple-wielding Russian hackers. Or by Gabby, who is in the group chat, even though you said this stays between us, and she tells everyone everything anyway. She may not be named Gabby in your group, but every group has one. You know who I'm talking about. I actually don't know anyone named Gabby. In any case, moving on, Google's unified Gmail interface is going to be launching for everyone soon. And here is the best feature about this new UI. Are you ready for the best feature to come out with this new UI? Are you ready? Are you ready? It's optional. What a novel concept! Making a massive redesign. Optional. You see, 
this crew I like. You know what these guys should do? These guys who are working for Gmail, they need to move on over to YouTube. That's what they need to do. Move on over to YouTube. These are the heroes we need. The heroes who say, you know, I'm going to mess up everything and it's going to be better and you better just get used to it. Or don't, you know, whatever. These are the people we need. These are the real heroes in tech to give us a choice. Someone in chat just asked me a question and I don't want to answer it yet because we haven't gotten that story yet. But I'll remember it when we actually get to the story. Don't worry. Exactly. The Gmail... People agree with me in the chat. We, we need to get the, this crew running YouTube. The people running YouTube right now don't know what they're doing. That's the other thing with YouTube. How the heck have they not been doing anything better with their, uh, with their live section? It is stunning. Just how lackluster YouTube Live is. And it should easily be neck and neck with Twitch. And it's just not. At least they finally added Eclipse. Microsoft Fight Simulator is going to be released for the Xbox Series X and Series S. This is actually something that I highly encourage. I don't care whether you care about Microsoft Flight Simulator or not. I want anyone who is interested about console gameplay versus PC gameplay to pay attention to this launch. Because here's the thing. It is easy. It is super easy to build a gaming PC with more gaming hardware than an Xbox Series S or an Xbox Series X. But the argument that's always given is, well, you can't get it for cheaper than an Xbox Series S or X. And it's true. It is very difficult to get the same level of hardware for the same cost or cheaper than the console, especially at launch. But there's one other advantage that not many talk about, and that is the fact that the console, because it only has one or two different hardware configurations, that there is a huge efficiency bonus for running on the console. Because it's fixed hardware, like someone actually just mentioned in the chat. You can fine tune it just for that specific hardware, whereas on a PC, you are running it through a general API. So here is going to be the big question. Microsoft Flight Simulator has brought pretty much all of the highest end gaming PCs, of which a lot of them are mythical because they have unicorns for GPUs to their knees. How much of the game is going to get cut to run on the Xbox? 
is the Xbox version just going to run at 10 frames per second? Or is there just going to be black smoke pillaring out of the Xbox Series X just to run Microsoft Flight Simulator? I am going to be very, very curious what corners are cut to get Microsoft Flight Simulator to run on these consoles. Someone in chat says maybe they just fixed their game. There's apparently a lot of problems within the game that's just causing massive performance. That's true too. That's true too. Uh, Chad also recommends liquid nitrogen cooling for your Xbox Series X. Or maybe, maybe we cool the Xbox Series X that's running Microsoft Microsoft Flight Simulator inside the Xbox Series X mini fridge. We have a confirmation that in fact, the, the Xbox Series X mini fridge is gonna be coming during the holiday season. Unfortunately, I do not believe we have a price for it yet. I imagine this thing is going to be what I'm going to guess probably a six, probably a $600 fridge. That's my guess on how much this little mini fridge is going to cost. So, I mean, Hey, you could probably get the, now here's the real question. Will it be more in stock than the actual Xbox Series X. Someone in chat says it's six ninety nine. What, what did I roughly guess? Six hundred? Man, I was really close. By the way, uh, do not under any circumstances cool a PC or game console inside a fridge. It, it is not a good idea. You see, a fridge keeps stuff cool with a very, very low-powered sort of air conditioning system. But it's not very effective. The only reason a fridge or a freezer gets as cold as it does is because of the thick insulation walls. Because you'd have something that constantly generates heat inside the fridge, it will just never get cool it will then, the compressor and the cooling element will never, ever keep up, even if it's in the freezer. Even if it's in the freezer, it's not going to matter. Because the freezer is just the fridge, but set to a lower temperature. And you won't even have a, you won't have a, you will absolutely not have a condensation problem because they'll never get cold enough in the fridge for condensation to form. You will instead just overheat and cook the console inside the fridge or freezer. They'll be cold at first. 
Zone in chat says it will work if you attach the compressor directly to the Okay, but now you're no longer cooling a PC or a console with a fridge. You are doing terrible, terrible gutting things to the fridge to cool it. Also, I'm not sure if that would even work then. I don't, would the compressor actually be, be powerful enough to just cool? Maybe just like either, maybe just the CPU or maybe just the GPU. I think I've seen devices like that. But I don't think one fridge compressor would be able to do the whole PC. Quick, someone sell this idea to, uh, to Linus to absolutely destroy an Xbox mini fridge to cool a gaming PC. You know their crew is dumb enough to do it. Linus ha ha has a ch chiller, chiller. Thing is, his chiller is based off an air conditioner. An air conditioner compressor is big enough to do it. We're talking about a fridge compressor. There's a big difference. <sighs> wow, this is actually news to some people. Yes, Linus Tech Tips has, in fact, he hasn't done it live on camera. Uh, he's admitted that his cannibalized AC unit was, uh, was done back when he was like a teenager and that he knows a lot of the stuff he did with that particular unit um was very very sketchy like there, there was just like the massive capacitor for it just dangling there it was super dangerous and it's like yeah you're fine as long as you just don't have your hand here at all no if you have spare time absolutely go check it out yeah like if you just look up linus chiller i'm sure you're gonna get plenty that comes up let's actually quickly take a look Linus Chiller. Yeah, first hit. My 10-year-old Chiller works. Negative 20 Celsius on Threadripper. Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, they abs they I would be very curious if the little mini fridge compressor would be powerful enough to do it. I don't think it would. I think it's just too small. Maybe though it would be cool enough to go ahead and cool down the Starlink satellite dishes that are shutting down due to extreme heat. I cannot believe how well of a segue that was. Bam. But no, in any case, the Starlink satellite dishes are actually starting to overheat because of the signal they have been getting and also just the potential environment they are in. Just causing them to overheat and reach their thermal limit. This is actually something that uh, Starlink is going to need to figure out. And the answer could just be as simple as adding heat fins to the sides. I do not believe. Now, granted, I don't know the, the full details. But 
assuming you can just get convection cooling off it, you should be fine. I would hope that this doesn't end up being a problem that needs to involve. Oh man, you need you see these satellite dishes? You want to get smaller so that mobile homes and over-the-road truckers can potentially use this technology in order to actually have great internet on the go. Yeah, no, we need to make it bigger and hook up a water cooling system to it. That would be a killer. But it is a problem that is being noted in regards to Starlink. Although maybe Starlink can just use some of the sweet, sweet Bitcoin dollars it just got as Tesla has once again allowed Bitcoin to be used for purchasing Teslas. By the way, that last segue, I did not plan that. This one I did though. Tesla has opened up for to allow Bitcoins once again to be used to buy your cars that may or may not exist because there's a chip shortage, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And Bitcoin actually topped at $40,000, get, getting nowhere close to the almost 60,000 it saw before Tesla threw a giant cold blanket on top of the Bitcoin market. But if you think that buying in now is the right thing, well, to put in perspective, right now the Bitcoin market is at $34,916.91. In fact, ever since it peaked and, well, everyone was just like, Bitcoin's back up. We should totally go in. That's when there was a massive sell-off. And it's just been in, I'm not going to say free fall, but it is trending down. Though right now it is trending back up. Although, holy cow, you set Bitcoin to just look at the graph over the last month. It looks like a kid just scribbled on my phone. It just looks absolutely massive. Someone in chat says that Bitcoin and Ethereum have been have been in decline ever since the SNL episode. Honestly, honestly, we've been monitoring here for a while. It took a dip after that SNL episode, and that's actually what possibly killed the hype for Dogecoin. Because we saw Dogecoin dip down to basically it dipped down from 50 to 30 and it just pretty much has stayed at 30 cents ever since. Like Dogecoin took the biggest hit. Ethereum and Bitcoin, they took a little bit of a hit after the SNL skit. That was nothing compared to Tesla deciding to not accept Bitcoin because Bitcoin consumes power. Once once Tesla made that announcement and everyone just like, wait a second. That caused the crypto markets to tank. Absolutely tank. And right now, like Dogecoin, I would not go into Dogecoin. That's just 
Just don't do it. That's a bad time. But. The current crypto markets, because they're so unstable. I get notices for Ethereum and Bitcoin both fluctuating 5% up and down pretty much every day. That is the potential to just go in on that. Buy on the way up, sell on the way down, and potentially make a couple percent. But, you know, once again, I have to remind you, and all of those who continue to want to go ahead and say how cryptocurrency is the future, that the only thing that supports the value of cryptocurrency being worth anything is everyone else's hopes and dreams in it. And all it takes is one guy with a loud voice to say, this is dumb. And the value of all your hopes and dreams come crashing down. And you can go ahead, you can send me emails all you want. Oh, you're just a hater. You just don't understand. You're not a tech guy. You're a fraud. You don't understand. You can say it all you want. But I'm not wrong. And even better, recent history proves me correct. Oops. We're going to take another break here when we come back. Let's talk about GPUs. Let's talk about some actual hope for the GPU market. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so first things first. Prime Day. There's a decent chance you've already missed it. It is starting on June 21st, ends on the 22nd. I guarantee you all the deals are going to probably be bad. Because every year when it comes to the Amazon Prime Day, it is hyped up. Oh, man. Ooh, it's going to be good days. Be hype, hype, hype. You can get so many things at so little prices. And then every time we're suckered into it, ignoring anything else about it, by the way, we, we could go into a whole other thing about the, the benefits and downsides of Prime Day. But just like I, from, the, from solely the consumer point of view, which is a bad way to look at it, it is still bad deals. In the end, all Prime Day is really good for, in my personal opinion, is picking up an Amazon Echo. That's it. Even the Luna controller, it's going to be going on sale for, I want to say, let me actually see what, what the price is going to be for the Luna controller. Ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. 
you can get it for $21 off the price. That means you can pick it up for $28 during the Prime Day. But, I mean, it, do, do you really want to do that? By the way, the reason I'm so indifferent about when, when the day is going to be, um, this podcast normally airs on, the, on Monday, which would be the 21st, but we're recording it the day before. So for those listening live, it's going to be tomorrow. If you're, I mean, like I said, it's June 21st and 22nd. And most likely all you're going to find is you can get a good, good deal on a Echo device. I personally would recommend, I personally would recommend a Echo show. And then, of course, I, don't, I actually don't know if it was picked up on, uh, on the podcast or not because we're still working with this new setup. But uh, if, if there's dead air there and you're curious as to why my echo kept going off because I kept saying the word echo. I apologize. But I digress. For those who don't know what Luna is, the service is actually going live for everyone starting on Prime Day. And unfortunately, I mean, it's going to go go up for $6 a month, but you can pay another $15 a month and have access to Ubisoft games as well. Someone in chat asked what happened to the eagle that said echo shows are, are just less useful tablets. They are. They absolutely are. Pretty much all the echo show is. It's in fact actually as someone who actually owns an echo show. It is even less useful than a useful than a, than a useless tablet. But there are some uses for it. An alarm clock is one of them. It is a very sophisticated alarm clock. By using these schedulers, you can go ahead and have it do some very interesting things. It is also a great Twitch watching device, I have learned. And that is actually really nice. That, that being said though, the normal price of an Echo Show, which is, he says, opening up a new tab, going to Amazon and looking up, and Echo Show. The normal price is $80 for the five inch one. That is way too high. Right now, as I'm recording this, that is a deal of day for $45. I would still argue that is still high. I think I picked mine up for $35. And for $35, I felt that was, that's about what I'd pay for a good alarm clock. And so I did. Someone in chat asks, can you play Mario and Zelda NES games on it? No. Like I said, its usefulness is limited. But you know, it can be useful. 
just you know keep your hopes realistic it's true but anyway back on to luna i kind of feel bad for luna because here's the thing with cloud gaming right now right now at this very moment cloud gaming has the best chance to succeed it really really does why because none of us can get a hold of modern hardware current generation gpus it's not going to happen not without paying thousands of dollars and you think i'm exaggerating but i'm not get a ps5 grand at least at least double its normal cost an xbox series x or series s i actually can't remember the last time i looked looked up how much an xbox series x is going for let's actually look at this xbox series we'll say s how much is the cheaper one going for normally 300 dollars. currently you could buy it now for oh 400 the price of the Xbox, the Series S is so bad. And it's, and it's thought at just like the most entry level anything. Even that's not being scalped for all that much. <laughs> the Series X on the other hand, yeah, $900. feels bad but with that said now would be the most ideal time for cloud gaming to take off since current modern day titles that are going out and being exclusive for these new consoles what does it matter you can't get them oh you want to play at high resolutions with real-time ray tracing all that well you can't because no one can get a hold of a rtx card and yet google stadia's user base continues to trend down xbox cloud gaming is just kind of looked at a oh neat and luna well it's only now just launching and Let's be honest, this is the first time in two years we've talked about Luna. And I'm not going to lie, I actually feel kind of, uh, I feel kind of bad for Luna. I was actually invited to the closed beta of uh, trying Amazon Luna. And I thought, oh, cool. I can't wait to test it. I can't wait to test it on stream. It'll be cool to kind of just see what it actually is like. I had to pay for my own controller. And then I was just like, yeah, no, I'm not going to pay 50 bucks for that. And then I never tried it ever <laughs> because it required the Luna controller. Say, hey, now you can pick it up on the cheap and pay $6 a month, I guess. I have a feeling Luna's going to die 
the same way Stadia dies. No, I take that back. Luna's going to die easier than Stadia. Stadia is dead. It just doesn't realize it yet. Because far too many of us have kept saying, Stadia's going to die. Google's just going to kill it. Google's just going to kill it. And Google now taking the... The stubborn approach is like, well, now I'm not going to kill it. Yeah, I'll show you. I'm not going to kill the project. You know, you want to. Come on, Google. Just kill it. Just kill it. You know it's going nowhere. You know that it's a failure of a project. You know that those cruddy Vega graphics couldn't do what you wanted to do. Just kill it. Do it. Do it. They're going to do it. You know they're going to do it. The same thing's going to happen with the Amazon as well. Or maybe Google's next attempt to resurrect Stadia is going to involve retail. Google's New York City store is part of a retail site that it's going to be called the Exploratorium. Really? Exploratorium? Ugh. But basically, this is Google looking at Apple and going, you know, they had a bit of success with that whole retail thing. Maybe we should give it a go, despite the fact that Google only has, like... What does Google have for actual in-house hardware? Actually, no, we actually have a lot more than that because we have the Nest devices, which actually does include quite a lot. And we have the Pixel phones. I think there's an in-house Chromebook that is always so hilariously overpriced, you absolutely should not ever buy it ever. I mean, you shouldn't get a Chromebook, like, at all, unless required to. But you especially should not get a Google branded Chromebook. The ones, the Pixel Chromebooks are like a thousand dollars and have all the, and have less capability than the Pixel phone. This is the part that always kills me about Chromebooks. They're absolutely freaking useless outside of freaking the education department and the education department has gotten gotten into them hook, line and sinker. Cause it means they can just lay off their IT department. Cause it's a Chromebook. Literally the only thing that Chromebooks have going for them. Anyway, now that I've been triggered on Chromebooks again, um, at someone in chat saying, yeah, there's the Chromecast. There are special Google routers. There are the, the Nest speakers, the Nest thermostats, secure, security cameras. There is quite a lot. But it's not going to be like the same experience you'd expect from an Apple store. Although that being said... And this actually could be their way of going at it. It would be an excellent demonstration place. Because to say like, hey, we have a smart thermostat. We have a smart 
door lock. We have a smart this, we have a smart that. You know, having it on a website's one thing. That's how you get like the tech guys like me in. If you were saying trying to get, let's say my parents, let's say you're trying to get my parents to buy in to say having a Nest thermostat in conjunction with Nest cameras, door sensors, locks, and all that. A physical demo area in a store like this, that is going to be the key. I'm sorry, chat. I do not believe Google has orbital mind control lasers. That is something I don't expect to see in one of these exploratoriums. Now, the Facebook store, on the other hand, that's where you're going to find the orbital mind control lasers, probably. Let's just shift gears over to... uh, some interesting little news nvidia plans on ending their windows 7 and 8 game ready driver support in october so that means if you are still retro gaming on on windows 7 and 8 for some reason uh do not expect support to stick around and just assume that if you intend to keep using modern titles, that you're gonna have to go to Windows 10. But if you want to still keep with the retro titles that are on, that are better on Windows 7, you know, more power to you. But that's nowhere near as fascinating as a story I forgot to grab, and that is the fact that Microsoft has officially announced the end date support for Windows. 10 it is going to be windows 10 last day of support april of 2025 this should cause confusion by the way because we might have even talked about this last week not think about it because well windows 10 was supposed to be the last windows right We're just going to keep updating Windows 10, right? Well, there have been rumors about a Windows 11. Yeah, we actually did talk about this now. Now that I think about it, we have talked about Windows 11. It was rumored last week. And in fact, some people started speculating what the name of the new Windows could be. Could it be Windows 11? to coincide with the 11 minute long teaser that Microsoft did could it be called Windows Sunny Beach like there were some people who were coming up with some absurd names for window for what the next windows could be but what could it be how could we possibly know what the next version of Windows oh it's leaked Yeah, there's there's a leaked version of Windows 11 out there that you, in fact, can install. And people have. People have installed Windows 11 before it's even announced. By the way, it's going to be announced on June 24th. Just so you know. And it's or a build is already leaked leaked out. 
And there are some interesting changes they've done to it. For starters, the Windows logo is very flat. It is literally just four squares. Not even four... Not, not even four... What, what would you call them? Rhombuses? Before... Not, not, not the angled shapes at all. It is just four squares. The dumbing down of logos continues. I still hate this, by the way. This modern simplification that just, where we just continue to put less and less and less thought into logos. It's gotten to the point now where even the parodies seem plausible. Someone actually did put out a fake Doritos logo that was just Doritos and then a triangle behind it. And the worst part is I believed it for a full day before finding out that it was just gone. Twitch, <laughs> someone in chat says the Twitch logo will just look like a wall socket. Worse, it'll just eventually look like the European wall socket where it's just the, the, two, the two pegs. Just the two holes, that's it. I'm just saying, we, we, we have access to more colors than just one. The other thing of note is first off, the resolution it would install on was bizarre. It, would, it was only installing on tablet resolutions, but that could just very easily be, uh, someone in chat just corrected me, the, the European socket is three holes. Well, I'm sorry for not being allowed to leave my home for 30 years. That's how long 2020 was, right? It was 30 years, right? That one year was 30 years? Still pretty sure of that. But we do get an updated on-screen keyboard. The start menu, oddly enough, as I'm cycling through pictures to try and find it, it was not, it turned out it was not there at all. I am now trapped in this slideshow. The actual start menu uh, decided to take a macOS approach and center everything in the bar. And this, I cannot stress enough, I hate. Because it no longer brings you to a familiar, familiar place to bring down your mouse. Someone in chat says you can reconfigure it. Good! As long as the choice is there. As long as the people who worked on... Who worked on uh, the Gmail system is also working on Windows 11. We're good. As long as we're kept given the option to change things, I am fine with it. But other than that, we don't know a whole lot. Some icons have changed to be more familiar, etc. 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 There is still some. I actually can't find out. Widgets t play a bigger role now, which I'm okay with. Before, the only thing we had with widgets was like what? The live tiles? I don't even think there was an option for widgets in Windows 10. If there was, I never found it or ever cared enough to try and do it. 
Oh, I'm sorry. The only thing we ever got with widgets was the stupid weather bar that was <laughs> that was given to us in a recent Windows 10 update that literally nobody asked for. It's like, why? Uh, by the way, just a quick update, or not really an update, but a reminder, if you too, like most normal humans, uh, dislike the Windows 10 weather bar, right-click on an empty space on your start bar, not the actual start logo, but the bar, that'll bring up a menu. Near the top, you'll see news and interests. Go to that, and then there's a section there where you can just check turn off. You're welcome, by the way. I'm being corrected on on semantics and being told that's the taskbar, not the start bar. Well, excuse me. Yeah. All right, now out of spite, I am just going to. Oh, hey, sure enough, you actually there's actually a picture of these guys actually bring it to the left hand side. Just out of spite, I am going to call it now the start bar from here on out. So, in addition to those changes with with the start with the start the start bar, there's of course updated logos, this, that, and the other thing, and you know, it looks decent enough. I'm just more amused in all of this that a build of the operating system leaked out before it was announced. Come on! Oh. But yeah, we'll have more to talk about next week. Speaking of things to talk about, the original Oculus Quest VR headset, which you shouldn't use, will soon be able to work with Airlink. A... Now you too can use a headset that was brought down from its former glory wirelessly and enjoy all the input lag that comes with it. But if you want another reason not to use any Oculus gear pretty much ever, uh, how about instead I tell you about how I told you so. Remember how when Facebook bought Oculus, I said it's only a matter of time until Facebook just has you go ahead and sign in using a Facebook account so they can collect data about you and then use that to sell you ads. Well, it wasn't too long after that that Facebook made you sign into your Facebook account, and now the rest of my I told you so has come to fruition. You are now being served up. Ads inside your Oculus games. It's okay though, because the developers are gonna get theoretically the majority of the revenue. Uh, I wanna take credit for being the super genius that figured this out. But I'm about honesty here. This was the easiest prediction in the world. 
by the way here's the next easy prediction in the world it's a 50 50 split and facebook's gonna tell no one if facebook was ea it would be a 70 30 split with facebook being the 70 but I, i'm gonna be generous and say it's a 50 50 split which is still a bad split Come on, the company that mines your data and sells you ads, you thought they weren't going to go ahead and buy a VR company to not sell you ads? Come on. Now, if this sort of thing doesn't scare you enough to convince you that maybe, just maybe, you should do a little more in your life to cut Facebook out of your life, have I got the story for you? Facebook is developing AIs. That in itself is a horrifying concept. But Facebook has now made an AI that can mimic your exact text style with a photo of a single word. So if I go ahead and take a piece of paper and write duck on it, the AI theoretically could forge my handwriting and write out whatever the heck it wants oh fantastic that's what i need in my life i need a facebook i i i need a freaking facebook ai to just go ahead and just forge my signature on a binding document for this that or the other thing this i cannot think of anything that just makes me say i don't want to live on this planet anymore than this ai and the potential for the comical amount of fraud that this ai getting into the wrong hands could possibly do except it's already in facebook's hands which is already the wrong hands All right, you, you want the next horrifying prediction? This is a sign that we're all doomed if this happens. If Facebook buys DocuSign. That is the sign that this world is just over and no contracts have any meaning. It's just that that would be the trigger that just says, up. Oh, that's it. We're done. Bye. Goodbye forever. The real horrifying thing is that there's a decent chance that Facebook already owns DocuSign and I just don't know about it yet. Oh man, we're already almost done with this segment too. We're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're actually going to talk about graphics, (laughs) graphics cards. I swear. Oh man. I did not realize we, I thought it was just like a handful of stories. We actually had quite a lot there. Dang.
Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. We're, we're having, a, we had a very interesting discussion about the potential for all the legal problems that this signature robot can possibly cause. Even though it's not technically a signature robot, it is a quote, ha, ha, what, what, what are they calling it? A handwriting mimicking AI. It's a signature copying robot. Let's be perfectly honest. Any, there's a lot of potential that it could do. The argument, however, that chat's making is that just by it existing, that it will cause problems. But here's the thing. In an actual legal court, in an actual legal case, let's say that someone produces a document, it has my signature on it, and I just say, no, nah, it's faked. I, ha I still have to be able to, to prove that it has been faked using a Facebook AI. The burden of proof is still on the person making the accusation. So to say that its existence will cause problems, it can. The potential for it to cause problems is there, but just by openly saying that, you know, this Facebook AI exists and therefore that signature must be fake, you still have to prove that in a court of law. That is something to keep in mind. Proof still needs to be provided. And just the sheer existence of this AI is not solid proof. Now, if they were to say, provide that, I look at the signature and can then prove, hey, under a magnifying glass or a microscope, I can see these jagged edges where it looks like at a close enough lookup that it's been that it is in fact something that could have been made by an AI as opposed to my free flowing hand, that is proof. Person in chat asks, do you? If the technology exists, it can be leaked. Anyone can acquire it Th through le leaks, bla black market. It's just, you still have to prove it. Proof is still required in a court of law. But that also same requirement of proof is also what's scary because if it does leak out, if it is used that, there's a lot of ifs in all this, by the way. And that's my point. That is my reason for using the word it has the potential because there is a metric ton of ifs that is why it has the potential not that it will cause problems will is a very strong word this however is in the world of ifs kind of like amd's new patent that they've just fi filed has the potential to be big that was a terrible segue i'm sorry but AMD has patented their 
big little cores for Ryzen 8000. So that we have heard about this AMD plans on going with a big little architecture for their next CPUs. This means that on the one CPU chip, there will be a set of smaller, lower end, but high efficiency cores so that I can go ahead and and just use those for doing, you know, basic tasks like say browsing through discord or do and also have bigger higher end high power usage cores for doing bigger more impressive tasks like opening a file on discord or you know gaming you know things that actually do require it this sort of design is not new. This is actually the exact same sort of technology we see in the ARM market. Most mobile phones, or actually most ARM processors already use a big little architecture where they have a set of smaller cores and higher end cores and that's how arm is so power efficient and why it is able to be well basically generate almost no heat by comparison to an x86 processor because it just uses its lower watt cores most of the time but if you go ahead and play a say mobile game that actually isn't terrible for a long period of time you will notice the phone gets warm that's because using those bigger, high-powered ones. Next. So, we have the patent. AMD plans on using this. Unfortunately, it's planned for the Ryzen 8000 series. We are currently in the Ryzen 5000 series. So, assuming AMD continues its trend, in three years, we'll see Big Little. Intel supposedly has Big Little coming up I want to say they 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 claimed they'll have it next year. That being said, Intel's PR department is uh, about as useful as uh, as Gearbox's PR department. We are st- we we still have chat talking about the uh, the AI bots again. It, it has the potential. I don't know how much more I can just say it has the potential. It can get bad, but it hasn't. Nor is it guaranteed because there's so many variables. I don't know how many more times I can say that. Uh, any case, moving on. We do actually have something very interesting in the GPU market, however. Someone has reviewed the very first Intel discrete GPU. A discrete GPU, for those who are not aware, is a graphic processing unit that is separate from the CPU. Normally, 
on while on game consoles it's built into built into its own cpu referred to as an soc phones it's built into the cpu referred to as an soc in gaming desktops some and gaming laptops for that fact most of the cpus have what's referred to as integrated graphics built into the cpu a discrete gpu or a discrete graphics card is a graphic card that is standalone like say this gtx 780 that i'm holding in my hand it is a big beefy card and its sole purpose in life is to produce graphics for you to look at nvidia and amd have almost exclusively been the two major graphic card manufacturers yes i know there is there have been other there have been others matrox actually still does make graphic cards they're just for servers and i want to say voodoo but i think voodoo might not have been a graphic card company that might have just been a brand of someone else i'm fairly certain voodoo it was their own company but now I'm doubting myself. But in any case, Intel has pretty much only ever made integrated GPUs. In, then they have been built into the CPU or built into the chipset. These discrete GPUs are on their own standalone card. And ETA Prime has somehow gotten their hands on the first actual intel discrete gpus to make it to market and they are meh and the reason they're just meh is because this gpu they have access to is pretty much just the software development vehicle but we're getting closer <laughs> We're getting closer to Intel GPUs. Even though this is basically just like a slightly better integrated GPU they just put onto a card for developers to work with. And that's it. I was right. 3DFX was the company that was responsible for the Voodoo card. Or rather, I wasn't right. I wasn't right, and then I doubted myself whether I whether I was wrong or not. And I was right, I was wrong. Did that make sense to anyone? Yes, 3DFX is no longer around. 3DFX also made SLI, didn't they? And then sold it to NVIDIA, and then NVIDIA killed it after doing amazing things with it, but then killed it. Even though they still have it, but it's, it's dead. Let's be honest, it's dead. To put in perspective of how low end this card is that they reviewed, it only draws, or rather it's rated TDP is only 30 watts. By comparison, this GTX 780 I'm holding, if I remember correctly, 
has a TDP of about 240, I think. 75, 75. One. F no, 100. 250? I think. I don't know. The point is that it's what low. It's wattage draw is very, very low. So the fact that it underperforms is, compared to other GPUs is no surprise at all. That being said, there's some leaks. And if the leaks are right, they could be very competitive with current gen NVIDIA and AMD. Yeah, it's, you know, it's... We'll see it when it's out. Here's the better question though. There's one feature these Intel GPUs need to have if they hope to be competitive with the current NVIDIA AMD GPUs. It is a feature that currently no GPU on the market has. The Intel GPU must have the amazing earth shattering feature of being in stock. Do you think they can do it? Do you think the Intel GPU can do it? It's possible. Intel won't be using the same fabs as AMD and Nvidia. They could theoretically circumvent that problem. Intel has managed to keep their CPUs in stock. I'm saying it's possibly a feature we have not seen since early 2020. The ability to stay in stock. This GPU shortage feels like it's lasted eight years. But there is some good sign though. There is a good sign about the GPU shortage. Tom's hardware and their GPU pricing index has noted that the pricing of GPUs on eBay have slowly begun to descend. And I want to state that very clearly. They are trending down. They are not free falling. They are not dropping like a rock. They are not in free fall. They... They're trending down. And the reason for this, well, you can probably figure it out. The one thing ever since this GPU shortage started, or rather ever, well, not ever since it started, but one of the things that I've said over and over again is that we as the consumers for the first time are powerless to do anything about the scalping. Because the intended cycle of scalping goes as such. The skilled buyers, the person who plan on scalping, go in, beat everyone to the punch in getting the product, and then resell it at an inflated mark markup. And you, as the person who actually wanted the product, have no choice but to get but to buy the product at the inflated price or not buy it at all. 
if you do not buy it eventually the scalper will have no choice but to keep lowering the price until it is at a price that you're willing to pay for it in the case of the gpu shortage that rule has not been in effect at all for one thing there have been people desperate enough to pay for it but because of the cryptocurrency miners any price to pay is worth it since they're not looking at the graphic card as something that they're going to go ahead and play games on or use in part of their streaming rig they are using it as a money-making tool and when their gpu is ready to make you know 15 dollars a day mining cryptocurrency paying a thousand dollars instead of 500 is a small price to pay to print money well fortunately elon musk single-handedly killing the cryptocurrency market by making people think about the power consumption that cryptocurrency miners use has suddenly turned the card from making $15 a day to say seven. Now, all of a sudden you're getting to a territory where is this card using more in power per day that I'm paying than it's generating. Now, all of a sudden the question of return on investment starts coming up for the cryptocurrency miner. Now the cryptocurrency miner is no longer in a position of just buy it at whatever price, we'll make it back in a month. Now more and more cryptocurrency miners are instead of mining, trying to sell off the cards they've been mining on and just bail out now. We are starting to see that trend show up. I'm not saying we're out of the woods. I'm saying we are starting to see the signs that the edge of the woods could be at the far, could be, you know, at the edge of things. Someone in chat actually just reminded me that China actually did implement a ban on mining. That actually also, it probably is actually a big underlying big factor in all of this as well because all of a sudden now all of those mining rigs are being shut down and just like all right well sell what i got make what i can move on to the next thing Now, that being said, NVIDIA still did launch a new GPU. The RTX 3070 launch did happen recently, at least on paper. But this launch seems even more like a paper launch than normal. So, for those unaware, how GPU launches have been in recent memory has been like so store 
gets a grand total of maybe five GPUs if they're lucky. Because they just simply cannot make enough of them. Either the fabricators couldn't make enough of the GPU chips, some other fabricators could not make some of the components that go onto the card. For one reason or another, supply is just not there. They only get a handful. They go on sale. The scalper bots pretty much buy them up in an instant. And you see your button go from notify when ready to sold out in the amount of time it takes you to hit F5. But this time with the RTX 3070 Ti, something different happened. The switch between notify soon and sold out happened so quickly that even the bots didn't see them ever go into stock. So what does that mean? Does that mean that the bots ju are just getting so fast that the that the lower end bots just couldn't keep up? Possibly. But here's the thing. You don't even see them being scalped on eBay right now. When I first did the story for the early burb briefing, I only found one. Let's quickly, for sanity's sake, let's go RTX 3070 Ti. If I go to the RTX 3070 Ti, we have one brand new listing that says they have it in hand sealed. And they actually have a note on it, so that one probably is real. We have another one. We have two listings. But no, it looks like we, well, this one looks kind of sketchy. Two, maybe three. Maybe four. I actually don't trust this one. Sponsored listing. It looks like a stock photo of the card. Hmm. I don't trust that listing. That listing looks sketch. So more are starting to show up on eBay. But it raises an interesting question because other outfits such as Fix It, Fix It, Fix It, which runs a bot that scans these retailers pretty much every second they say every one to ten seconds never saw any of these cards go into stock so either the bots were just so fast that it was indetectable because it's not like the the theory that these cards are all paper launches that theory is now gone since there are some what appear to be legitimate listings on eBay on the second second hand in massive air quote market. 
but you absolutely should not buy these on the quote secondhand mar market TM. So did they just completely sell out in under a second on every single retailer out there, which theoretically is possible, but man, the way some of these online retailers stutter to process that many orders at once, I find it hard to believe. Or was the, or was the supply so low that it just never even got to the retailers in the first place. Something something very odd happened with the 3070. But one thing very much is for certain. The supply of the 3070 Ti is way lower than the supply of any of these other cards. That much I'd say is pretty much undeniable. Whether that supply is three dozen, two dozen, one dozen, or zero. One thing is perfectly clear. They should have done with the 3070 Ti something similar to what they did with the 3080 Ti. The 3080 Ti was clearly intended to be a 3090 they could manufacture easier. Which is why it had half the RAM. They did nothing like that with the 3070 Ti. And honestly, still look at the numbers and how much it sells for in a sane world. You're not missing much with this 3070 Ti not existing. But the fact that it's sold faster than robots could even detect. Interesting. A new report suggests that NVIDIA is cutting the RTX 2060 supply in order to increase the production of the RTX 3000 series. Really? Really? So the thought process before was that we're going to continue making the RTX 2060 to try and just make it so that there's some kind of GPU out there. Because before, there was nothing. You couldn't even get GPUs that were multiple years old. The supply was literally picked dry. So NVIDIA was at least making RTX 2060s so there would be something out there. Unfortunately, there was still nothing. Because I'm pretty sure if I go to Amazon right now and type in graphic card, all I'm going to get are scalped listings. Graphics card. Let's see. First list. RTX 3080 for $1,899. At least this one only has one review and it's one star. We do have a listing for a GT 1030 for $178. Ah! $200 for a $40 GPU. 
What is this world? A bunch of other listings are in permanent out of stock supply. A GTX 1050 Ti for $400. But you see my point. The market is in such a way that you just, why not make some RTX 2060s and get something out there so you're not paying freaking $400 for an $80 GPU. You know it's bad when the most reasonably priced GPU is the Radeon 5450 at $65. I wonder what the... Okay, I just want to comment real quick about this Amazon listing that I'm looking at. So when I looked up graphic cards on Amazon just to get prices real quick, they had a section called editorial recommendations. Um, we have the best graphic cards. The top pick currently is the GTX 1050 Ti at $400. <clears throat> the best gaming card is currently the Sapphire RX 580 at $770. That is Amazon's best gaming card. You know what the worst part is? It's hard to argue with them because that's at least sub a thousand. <laughs> Don't buy it, by the way. Uh, absolutely do not die. My personal favorite, the part that I actually love about this editorial comment is that their best for visual editing is the Vision Tech Radeon 5452 gigabytes. That is their best visual editing card at $65. If you are video editing with a video card that low, Stop it. Get some help. That is... Ugh. The only reason to get that video card... The only reason... Is because your CPU for video editing is so high-end it has no integrated GPU. And you just need something to get a video out. That is the only reason that this card would ever theoretically be a good visual editing GPU. I actually want, I want to come back in a sane world. When, when the GPU shortage is over and we return to sanity in the year 2023. And I want to see again what these editorial recommendations are. So somebody remind me to do that. Also, how sad is it that I say 2023 and and only somewhat being sarcastic. Ugh. This world is getting too crazy for me. By the way, uh, AMD Fidelity FX Super Resolution, that is the 
technology similar to nvidia's dlss which is nvidia's technology to render the game at a lower resolution but then upscale using ai to a higher resolution which in the end result gives you a very good looking picture at a high resolution but is not technically the game being rendered at its primary resolution so it, you know it is what it is amd's version of that is supposedly going to be supported by seven various games at launch according to a random tweet by some guy the fact that this is the only news that we have about amd's fidelity fx should kind of tell us something Let's be real honest. We're not going to hear much about this until AMD's next set of GPUs next year, in which maybe, just maybe, we might see it, you know, might see GPUs actually come to a hand. There was some talk, someone, someone in the chat is asking, what about the Xbox having support for it? I actually don't know. I think I vaguely heard about it in passing, but I'm not sure if that actually is officially supported or, you know, considering it is the Xbox, it was announced. Oh, okay. I think I might've just fell asleep, fell, fell, fell asleep during the, uh, the Xbox press announcement. Cause let's be honest, there was not much in that E3 announcement. I mean, let's be honest, something like Fidelity FX, for the Xbox, that probably is the only way the Xbox Series X is going to be able to support 4K gaming. Let's be perfectly honest. So the fact that it actually is officially announced for the Xbox, first off, that tells me that uh, only these seven games being supported is complete bull. There's going to be more like, oh, I don't know, every single Xbox game ever which are also simultaneously both Xbox exclusives and PC exclusives, thus making the word exclusive entirely pointless. Just saying. But yeah, that coming out to the Xbox, not too much of a surprise. We also have the first AMD Radeon RX 6600M benchmarks. And they look yeah, pretty good. It is a 100 watt TDP mobile GPU, which is not bad. But compared to the RTX 3060, it performs yeah, about what you'd expect. A little lower end in almost all cases, except for CSGO for raisins. But, you know, it's out there. It's an option. Laptop gaming is the only way we can get PC gaming in the modern era because GPUs are a myth. And the more and more I say that sarcastically, the more and more I cry because I realize it's actually true. Feels bad. We're actually just going to keep pressing on and say enough with, with the brakes. AMD is is officially launching the RX 6900 liquid cooled version of the same card. 
So now you too can liquid cool your unicorn GPU with unicorn tears. What an amazing feature. Thank you, AMD. I've always wanted to cool unicorns with unicorn tears. They do this quite often with, with their highest end GPUs. It's just been a while since we cared because, well, when was the last time AMD actually had a high-end GPU? That'd be what, the Vega 64? I think the Vega 64 actually did have a, a, a liquid-cooled version. But Vega was just kind of... Meh. I'd say, Ve I'd say the Vega GPU was much like the pile driver CPUs, except Vega actually could perform, whereas... Piledriver just never did. Piledriver, for those who don't know, is the AMD FX series CPUs. Those high-end, like, eight-core CPUs back when quad-cores was still the main thing, but it performed like a zero-core. Yeah. Now, with all that being said, there is something to talk about here. Team Group is going to be selling DDR5, or possibly not team group, but in any case, we should be seeing DDR5 RAM at the end of June or the beginning of July. So what does that mean? Well, hear me out for a second. What I'm seeing a lot of people doing is just building a gaming PC now, not have a GPU, just use the integrated GPU now until they get their discrete GPU down the road. And if you don't have a working PC at all, go do that. Because that's clearly the smartest way to go. If you have a gaming computer right now that's just old, that it's on its last legs, let it limp along. Because the more and more you see stuff like DDR5 coming out, we have these GPUs right now that we really wish we could have, but we can't. The new AMD platform that is going to have a new socket. And considering the fact that AMD has a track record of whenever there's a new socket... They're going to support that same socket for, you know, three, four, five years. How long did the current Ryzen support that socket? Four years? It's got to be more than that, right? I think it is about four years. It's looking more and more like potentially waiting a bit longer and getting on the new platform is going to seem like the smart decision. Someone in chat says that though, based on how, how long it took high-end DDR4 to catch up to, or I'm sorry, how long DDR3 took to catch up with DDR4 as far as the high-end market, it's probably not going to be that big a deal. That being said, how long is it going to take for us 
for the GPU market to finally catch up with demand. I'm saying that potentially waiting before diving headfirst into the build might not be the worst idea in the world chat says 2024. This chip shortage just keeps getting longer and longer the longer this podcast is going. Uh, so yeah, I, I for one look forward to actually buying an RTX uh, 3080 in the year 2025. What about you guys? By then, Windows 11 might be out. Uh, so... Like I said, we're not going to bother with uh, with another break. We're just going to dive right into our final stories. Amazon is joining Apple and Google by reducing the App Store cut it takes. Yes, I too forgot that Amazon actually has an App Store. And that I also forgot that Amazon actually does take a 70-30 cut just like Google and Apple does on that App Store. Mostly because I forgot that the Google and mostly because I forgot the Apple or the Amazon App Store actually was a thing because the closest thing I have to an Amazon tablet is my Echo Show, which does not have an app store. Wait, actually, does it? Oh, maybe it does, and I just never found it. Not that it really matters because, of course, all tablets are in short supply thanks to the chip shortage that is going to be going on to the year, until the year 2029. Uh, but at least Amazon finally did cut the cut down. So now Amazon will only take a 15% cut while the developer takes a... 85% cut, which a hey, good for the developer. OnePlus is officially merging with Oppo, but will continue to operate independently. I am kind of surprised this didn't happen sooner. For those that don't know, Oppo bought OnePlus not too long ago. It was actually around then you started seeing the OnePlus prices just keep creeping up. And well, now officially Oppo is, well, they're basically putting a ring on it even though Oppo and OnePlus have been dating for quite a while, they're now finally putting a ring on it. OnePlus will officially be a sub-brand under Oppo, even though it pretty much already was in the first place. But they're basically now just making it more official. Maybe at some point, OnePlus will actually finally be able to just move into the house with Oppo. I just want to know what their kids will look like. Will Oppo and OnePlus's kids be able to see new graphic cards when the when the chip when the chip shortage ends in the year 2031? Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, Jets Jets voicing exactly my thoughts. Is this not news? Excuse me. That's kind of my thought. But apparently it wasn't official official. It was just only one official. Now it's official official. So. Yay. In news you almost cared about until I explained it fully. There is going to be Tamagotchi smartwatches. Yes, Tamagotchi, in order to celebrate its 25th anniversary, is going to go ahead and make Tamagotchi smartwatches. 
This sounds kind of cool, right? But here's the problem. They're going to be sold via a lottery. The winners will then be announced in July. And then, well, supposedly they will then actually actually be on sale for 7,480 yen or approximately according to CNET, that will be about $68. Chat makes an excellent point. Of course it's sold in a lottery. All tech things are sold via lottery until the chip shortage ends in the year 2033. You're right, chat. How could I be so foolish? So does that mean I have to wait until 2035 in order to buy a car? Because that's when uh, the chip shortage will end. I wonder if that will put a hamper on Canon and their grand plan to put an AI camera in their Chinese offices that will only let workers in when they smile. You know, normally me and The Verge do not agree on a whole lot of things. Like, for example, I believe in building a computer the correct way. The Verge insists on building computers the incorrect way. But, uh, The Verge and I can actually agree on the subheadline. Their subheadline reads as follows. This is the latest example of a dystopian, wor- of dystopian workplace surveillance. Yes, this, this is what nightmares are made of. The workplace that only let you in if you're smiling. I say, forcing a smile, reaching my hand out to strangle the neck of the AI powered computer. <sighs> Someone in chat wants to know if the company provides the daily happy pills. That would be the next step in making this a true dystopian future. Wasn't there a video game recently that uh, that everyone was wearing smiling masks and if you weren't smiling, you were murdered or something like that? We're getting dangerously close to that with this. Look, Cannon, I'm just saying, if uh, if you need someone to vent to, uh, eaglefalcontech at gmail.com, you will be kept anonymized. I will not reveal the identity of anyone that sends me proof of the absolute nightmare. We happy few, that's what it was. Th- th- thank you, uh, person in the chat. Just make sure, just send any hawk takes to that email and provide as many pictures as possible to the horrific nightmare cult that is possibly going in inside the Chinese headquarters at Canon. We just must be aware. And now I bring you to the last verb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. Grand Theft Auto 5 is a game that has existed since 19 always. 
And one day, one day maybe, we can see a Grand Theft Auto 6. But unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. However, a real-time generated AI has watched enough Grand Theft Auto 5, which is quite possible, seeing as how Grand Theft Auto 5 has, has existed for 6,000 years, to be able to recreate the game Grand Theft Auto 5 using none of the game's actual game files. It does all of the game graphics by just recreating the game off what it saw. Now, here's the real question. What does it take to use this AI? Because I'm just saying, if we can use lower-end chips, this AI can truly be the real reason we can survive the chip shortage, at least until when it's expected to end in the year 2041. Uh, but I mean, what does it also say about your game? That Grand Theft Auto V has been around long enough that even our early AI that is only fi finally getting old enough to talk and be potty trained can recreate Grand Theft Auto V. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening. And please, I do encourage you, check out the daily podcast, the early burb briefing which you can find at anchor.fm slash early burb briefing and check out my twitch page twitch.tv slash eagle falcon i do encourage the support since well as you've probably noticed the podcast is not ad supported yet still working on that take care and i hope you have a great day Okay, but the real talk here, though, can the AI that can recreate GTA 5, can it see why everyone at Canon is forced to smile? This is a, th 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 I mean, I'm half joking, but is there something weird going on at Canon? Is this really a tool to try and boost employee morale by requiring them to smile? Or is there something much more sinister afoot? There's something strange going on here. <sighs> but of course, we don't have the compute power to figure it out right now. We have to wait until the GPU shortage ends in the year 2045. Might even go on to the year 2525. 
if man is still alive.